Uh, Revolutions chapter 9, verses 11 to 16. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has his name written on him, and no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the white winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Fantastic. We're going to have a break from singing and Jamie, a member of our congregation, is going to come and speak to us. Um, Let me just pray for him before he does. Father God, I thank you for Jamie and I thank you for the word that that you have given him for tonight, Lord. I pray that, that it meets us with open hearts and open minds. Amen. Thanks so much, Hannah. I'm glad you prayed because we're all in for a rough night. This is a pretty weird talk I'm about to do. Oh, see, oh, that's descending on me already. I'm going to pop it there. Don't touch my Bible while I'm talking. Thank you. Right. My name's Jamie. I am a member of the congregation here. My wife is over there at the back. Hi, Chloe. And um, my children worship here too. If you don't know me, then come over and say hello to me after the service. If it looks like lots of people have already done that, then maybe just leave it till next week or something. That'd be... Fantastic, because I do need to get home at some point. It's Christmas. Are you feeling Christmassy? Yeah, Yeah, well, we're going to keep that going. And I, using nothing but a piano, am about to take you off to another dimension. Oh, squeak. Don't walk around there. Don't walk around there. There we go. Are you ready? This is the magic of the whole tone scale. Are you ready? Everyone close your eyes. Ready? One musician I heard chuckling there who knows what's about to happen. If you're a good musician, you call this the whole tone scale. If you're a bad musician, you call this the white, 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 black, black, white, 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 black, black, white, 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 black, black, white, 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 black, black scale. Here it comes. Are you ready? Close your eyes. Thank you, thank you. Excellent. Right, the talk has now officially begun. Now we are in another realm. We can begin to enjoy Christmas in a fresh way. Are you all okay so far? Yeah, I can see you're already bored of the audience participation. (laughs) I'll try and do as little of that as possible from now on. Um, So I'm looking for... Oh, it's over here. Not the snow globe yet. We don't need the snow globe yet. Okay, so Chris, we've had a musical evening. I want to keep the music going as much as possible. Um, I want to try... Really, what I don't want to... I don't want to bore you with loads and loads of Bible. I hope that's okay. I thought we'd just do as much music as possible. And this is one of those services where people invite their friends along to. Right? And 
it's like it's one of those ones where there might be people here that don't believe the same things as me. So by doing funny things throughout the talk, I'm going to disarm you. And at the end, I'm going to convict you, okay? So are you ready for that? Just, I'm just going to completely convict you, and then we're going to just change your life at the end. You are going to become a Christian, and then we're done. Mince pies, mulled wine, off we go. Sorted. Is everybody ready to have their life changed in 20 minutes? I've really built this one up, haven't I? <laughs> Goodness me. Right, where are my notes? I hope that they're accurate. Here we go. Wonderful. Well, without further ado, I think that we should say thank you and give a bit of a round of applause to our wonderful readers this evening. The names are Thea, Olivia and Billy. You've done an absolutely fantastic job, guys, wherever you are. Good job. There was some tricky stuff there, but I couldn't help but notice only one of you bothered to read something that was actually from Christmas. What was that about? Billy, your, your reading wasn't about Christmas. Do you want to explain yourself? Not really? Okay, that's fine. See me after, that's fine. Thea, was your reading about Christmas? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> you can't remember? Oh my goodness. Was it about Christmas? Were you the first one? You were the f- yeah, that was the Christmas one. Yeah, okay. And the, the, there, was, there was one about Jesus. Dot- in fact, the first one was about Christmas, but even in that, someone threatens to kill Jesus, don't they? Which is... A bit of a shame, not really what Christmas is about per se, is it? Then there's the bit at the end where someone, the second reading where someone does kill Jesus, which again, not very Christmasy. And then there's the, the last reading where suddenly Jesus is just there again and pretty much bossing the whole situation. So we need to look at that journey, don't we? We need to think about where we're going with those things. Um, Sorry, it got a bit Bible-y there. Let me see. Let's see if we can just sort it out. Yeah, what do you reckon? Shall we have a little Christmas jingle? This was one that I wrote the other day when I was on my way to the shop. Are you ready? Jingle bells, jingle bells, I'm walking to Aldi. I'm going to get some bread and milk, but my fingers are coldy. Quite a good one, that. I like that one. Are we happy? Yeah, it's good. It's lovely. I've got some other ones as well, actually. Just not too much Bible, not too much Bible. Right, here we go. Um, this, is, this is one. Um, I actually, you know what, actually, what they said in the, I was talking to Matt, he said to me that you need to make sure you engage your young people. So I thought I'd engage your young people. Ready to be engaged? Wrote a little rap. Here it comes. Right, so I think it's that one. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. I wrote a little rap to keep all the teenagers involved and engaged with the talk that I'm doing. And I think that it's going to really work because they're going to realise just what a relevant guy I am. I'm a bit like that Stormzy chap who likes to write Stormzy raps. That rhymes, I surprised myself there. Keep going, don't lose confidence. Say something, anything about the Bible and try and make it rhyme. Oh, this is so awkward. 
Well, I tried anyway. I mean, the, the, simple, the simple fact is, teenagers, right, this is the one thing that I'm going to say to you directly, because I know you find it patronising when people talk down to you. If, if you are sat here thinking, I really hope that this guy is going to say something that's really relevant, really special just for teenagers, you need to get over yourself, because the Bible's relevant for everybody. And just because you're between the age of 12 and 20 doesn't mean you can just sack it off and be disobedient, okay? There you go. So, point one, honour your father and mother at all times. Uh, point two uh, well listen to the rest of the talk it's all there it's all good right so we're getting there anyway is everyone still feeling Christmassy by the way yeah good excellent right okay so Matthew that was um, that was an interesting passage wasn't it because you had these wise men looking for Jesus and these magi which is an extremely well read word these magi these wise men they're looking for jesus and they come over to this guy who is the king and they say i'm looking for jesus i'm looking for the king of the jews where is he but then there's this reaction that this king that is already there called herod has and you know what actually We'll come back, come back to that in a minute. Because that reaction that Herod has, it's not actually that Christmassy. So we should probably make sure that we stay a little bit Christmassy. Now, I've got a great idea how we can stay Christmassy. Shall we have a moment of culture? Shall I know we've already had the rap, but shall we have a moment of true culture? Can I invite my friend Charlotte up, please? Charlotte is going to read for us. Now, I know it's a bit disorganised, this talk. I know it's a bit disparate. You might be thinking, oh, what's going on? And, but don't worry, Charlotte, would you just, would you just read for us from, from, well, you introduce it. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to be reading, probably not as expertly as the children, from The Christmas Tree by Charles Dickens. I have been looking on this evening at a merry company of children assembled round that pretty German toy, a Christmas tree. The tree was planted in the middle of a great round table and towered high above their heads. It was brilliantly lighted by a multitude of little tapers and everywhere sparkled and glittered with bright objects. There were rosy-cheeked dolls hiding behind the green leaves and there were real watches with movable hands at least and an endless capacity of being wound up, dangling from innumerable twigs. There were French polished tables, chairs, bedsteads, wardrobes, eight-day clocks, and various other articles of domestic furniture, wonderfully made in tin at Wolverhampton, perched among the boughs, as if in preparation for some fairy housekeeping. There were jolly, broad-faced little men, much more agreeable in appearance than many real men. And no wonder, for their heads took off and showed them to be full of sugar plums. There were fiddles and drums. There were tambourines, books, work boxes, paint boxes, sweetmeat boxes, peep show boxes, and all kinds of boxes. There were trinkets for the elder girls, far brighter than any grown-up gold and jewels. There were baskets and pincushions in all devices. There were teetotums, humming tops, needle cases, pen wipers, smelling bottles, conversation cards, bouquet holders, 
Real fruit made artificially dazzling with gold leaf. Imitation apples, pears and walnuts crammed with surprises. In short, as a pretty child before me delightedly whispered to another pretty child, her bosom friend, there was everything and more. This motley collection of odd objects clustering on the tree like magic fruit and flashing back the bright looks directed towards it from every side, some of the diamond eyes admiring it were hardly on a level with the table and a few were languishing in timid wonder on pretty mothers, aunts and nurses. They made a lively realisation of the fancies of childhood and set me thinking how all the trees that grow and all the things that come into, into existence on the earth have their wild adornments at that well-remembered time. Being now at home again and alone, the only person in the house awake, my thoughts are drawn back by a fascination which I do not care to resist to my own childhood. I begin to consider, what do we all remember best upon the branches of the Christmas tree of our own young Christmas days by which we climbed to real life? Oh, that's Christmas, is it? Shh, shh, sit on that, please. Thank you. Um, that's Christmassy. Thank you very much. So very well. A round of applause for Charlotte. <laughs> Wonderful. Wow. The boughs of the Christmas tree on which we climb to real life. That is Christmassy. Dickens is someone that I thought was absolutely brilliant. Didn't know him personally. He was dead long before I was born. But I think Dickens is absolutely incredible at expressing truths. The truth that Dickens was looking for in that reading as he sat at home after he's observed all the wonder and the glitzy glamour and all the sparkles of Christmas and all of that, he was looking to see his journey. He was looking at Christmas time back to his childhood. He was looking to see how he got to where he had been. He was climbing the Christmas tree year by year to see if they could get, if he could get to that point where he realised that's when I achieved real life. That was it. And that is what we all do at Christmas. I do. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions. I do kind of make New Year's resolutions. Um, but I've often spoken to my wife, Chloe, about this, and both of us are kind of of the opinion that if you think of something in December that you probably should be doing, probably just start doing it in December instead of January. (laughs) But that's because we're kind of pragmatic like that. But with Dickens, I identify. At Christmas, I look back. Christmas can be made up for us of all of the things that we remember from our childhood. When you get married... Christmas suddenly becomes a massive mush of, you have to have the conversation, right? What do you do at Christmas? And then you talk about everything that you used to do as kids and you work out which ones you want to keep and which new traditions you want to start. 
the tradition that the Magi were following on that first Christmas was something that Magi always did. They always looked to the sky. They always were looking for the stars to tell them when kings were born. What they were doing was not, it wasn't just one event in their life where they were like, all right, this particular king at this point is something special. They all, these were the guys that always knew when kings were born because they were always looking for the signs that they could see in the stars. This particular king was the king of the Jews, but the Jews already had a king. They already had Herod as their king. Israel was already a thing. The Romans were overruling everything in Israel at the time. A lot of people know that. If you didn't, you kind of like got an occupied country situation going on. Romans absolutely in charge. Herod feeling like he's kind of the man of the people, the kind of person that is going to really be there. He understands where everyone's coming from, man. That's where he's at. And then all of a sudden, while he is still alive... Because the only reason that you stop being a king is that you die, right? Some other people show up and say, oh, we're here to celebrate the birth of the new king, your people. And he's obviously disturbed by that. But did you notice in the reading this one detail, and this hit me so hard when I read this, before? it wasn't just Herod. It wasn't just a king that was disturbed, and that's the word the Bible uses, by this news. It was also... All of Jerusalem with him. Anybody that was anybody in Jerusalem was disturbed by this news. It may not have meant the likes of you and I who are pretty much like nobodies in this world, right? But it's kind of like similar to me saying, oh, all of Westminster's talking about it. You know that I'm kind of talking about the big people in Westminster, not necessarily the people that have got um, a council flat in Westminster. If you say all Westminster's talking about it, then I'm pretty much talking about the politicians. This news rattled absolutely everybody. Does King Jesus rattle you? Is he in an interruption? Are you, are you king of your life? It's getting a bit awkward. You're looking at me like I'm trying to change your life. So I'm going to just quickly play a little jingle. I tried to get um, some famous people to do these for me. I just I don't know anywhere. I don't know them. So I've had to do them all myself. I hope that's all right. Let's see what we've got here. I don't think a man has ever worked harder on a sermon than I have. Is it? I, I always started playing another one. The um, yeah, the I say worked hard. Really, what happened was I had a couple of days off work sick this week. I had nothing to do. If I'd have been at work, I would have just been talking to you, but instead, I filled my time. It was an inconvenience, though, such an inconvenience, Jesus, that they were, 
going to try and kill him. We know that bit of the story, don't we? He was a king that right from the start was doomed to die, right? And then there was the second reading. There was the reading about the moment where the king did die. Jesus obviously survived that first horrific moment in his life. His parents took him to Egypt because the wise men were warned by the angels that he was going to be, or they were warned in a dream um, by the angels that uh, that Jesus was going to be killed. They told his parents about it. They did the right thing. They took him off to Egypt. And a few years later, he came back. By the time he was 12, he was back, but they certainly went away until King Herod was gone and his son had taken over, who wasn't so interested in, in doing the whole making sure he stayed king thing. And then Jesus lived his life, as, as we all know he lived, and then he died, and then Jesus was confronted by the person that was in charge of the king of the Jews. He was confronted by a man called Pilate, and he was Pilate. It was his job to work out what was going on. People basically were still accusing Jesus of exactly what they thought he was guilty was uh, guilty of when he was just a baby. They were accusing him of usurping the throne. They were saying this guy claims that he is king of the Jews. We want him to be crucified. We want you to deal with him. And deal with him, Pilate did. But did you notice the sign that Pilate put above his head? Now, I work for the Royal Borough of Greenwich. And when the Royal Borough of Greenwich want to make sure that everybody gets a piece of information, they write it in millions of languages. If there's a sign that people really need to read, they write it in every single language they think people in the borough might be speaking to make absolutely sure that everyone understands its message. Pilate didn't work for the Royal Borough of Greenwich. He worked for the Roman, the Royal Borough of Rome. But, the, um, but what he did, he wrote a sign which is a very, very Royal Borough Greenwich thing to do. And he wrote on it, King of the Jews, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Don't write this, Pilate, was what everybody said. Do not write this. Do you like what's been written about Jesus? Do you want the sign to say something different? Where are you at with Pilate's sign? What I have written, I have written. That's what Pilate said. What I've written about Jesus, I have written. And what I'm here to say tonight is, what's been written about Jesus has been written. No, but Jamie, right, I know it's been written, but don't go around saying that it's been written. Just say that it's what Jesus claimed about himself. Just say it's, just say it's what, what Christians claim about Jesus. No. What's been written has been written. King 
of the Jews. Now, I don't know. You might be Jewish here tonight. I'm not sure. Um, But if if that's the case, then the whole king of the Jews thing is going to be a huge statement for me to be making to you. But a lot of us aren't Jews. So you might be thinking, oh, well, that's fine. I'm sitting pretty. He's the king of the Jews. That's something that the Jews will have to sort out with Jesus. But then there was the third reading. This is where Billy got himself involved with his reading from Revelation, just to muck things up. Right? So what can we, what can we do? We, we, can't we, like, do you see where we're going with this? We're, is Jesus interrupting you? Do you like what's been written about him? And then the next question, I, I, don't, want to be, I don't want to be rude, but is, are you clever? But while you work out whether you're clever or not, why don't we have another jingle? Because I've got, I've got loads. Loads and loads, and I'm just going to pick them at random. Let's see. What's this one? Oh, hold on. I've got to tell you about this one. I'm proud of this one. This is the best impression of Destiny's Child I have ever done. Are you ready? Here it comes. Good. Clap that, man. Clap that. I didn't do very well in school. This is literally all I've got, right? So, so we're at this point now where I've asked you this really personal question, are you clever? The, good new, the reason I asked you that is because you actually, well, if, if you're able to admit that you are stupid like me, you're the sort of person, like I've got lots of children to raise, but I found time to do these jingles, yeah, so if you're like me, and you're willing to basically just roll with the punches of life, then Christianity might come to you quite easily, but if you're clever, and you actually do like to ask questions, and you do like to think about things properly, then you might feel a little bit like Christians make lots of claims about Jesus and we're kind of running this online Twitter account that we've called a fact checker, but it's actually just Christians saying stuff about what they think. Um, You might might feel like you're having the wall pulled over your eyes in some way and that's where revelation comes in. You see, Jesus was an interrupting, inconvenient king for Herod and for Jerusalem. Jesus was a difficult king to take for the people that were around him when he died. 
But the Jesus who rose again, you cannot handle. The Jesus who rose again, you don't know that much about him. And you never will. And if you're walking the path of faith, and if you're searching for him tonight, then you are on a journey that will never ever truly reach an intellectual end because it is beyond your intellect. So if you're waiting this evening for some big answer from me, that you're suddenly going to go, I get it. I get it now. Jamie's done the maths. Thank goodness for that. It's not going to be like that for you. Because this isn't about, this isn't a king that stays separate and has come up with a set of policies and a way to govern over his people that you could definitely vote for or at least accept, seeing as he's the king with all power and all authority. This is a king, and I'm going to say something now that really doesn't get said much in today's culture because we're also postmodern and grey and it's also lovely, yeah? But He's the absolute authority. Whoa. The absolute authority. You don't work Jesus out by being clever. You get to know him by bowing before him. King Jesus who in that amazing... I mean, listen to some of these words. Billy's left his reading up here, and I'm so glad that he has, because I can see it so clearly. His eyes like blazing fire. He's called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Whoa! Now, saying something like that in a religious context, that could really be taken the wrong way. What I'm not saying here is that there is any suggestion whatsoever that there is any call for any of us to do anything violent at all in Jesus' name. No one would ever, who believes what the Bible says, would say to you, you need to go and kill for him. You know what you need to be able to do? You have to be able to die for him. Because he died for you. He was king when he was born in this world. He was king when he died and he was king when he rose again and he is still king now now this is the next bit and this is the last bit when I share this bit of my faith with my friends at work this is the bit that really really can put them off so it's a big gamble isn't it me saying this now because I might put you off completely he's coming back he's coming back. We don't just believe that all this stuff happened in the past. We believe that the king that we cannot handle, that we love, is existing now in heaven at the right hand of the Father. We believe that that king is the creator of heaven and earth, that he is watching us and he is calling us, calling you now to himself and he's saying come come and live with me I am going to come back I am going to proclaim myself king 
over this world. Because that's what Christmas is about, isn't it? That's what Christmas is actually about. Christmas is actually about the beginning of a story, isn't it? As you look back over the Christmas trees of your childhood, as you climb those branches, as you try and work out how you've made that step up into real life, maybe this is that Christmas that you've been thinking about some things in a different way. Maybe this is that Christmas. And I'm not just talking to people that don't believe the same thing of me that might be here. I'm talking to everyone. I'm talking about people, people that are here that have faith um, in Jesus, that are already welcoming. This is all of us together. I'm talking to people this evening who are suffering from cancer. I'm talking to people this evening who are going through really, really difficult times. I don't have a massively, unbelievably easy life all the time because I'm a Christian. For example, when I signed up to do this talk, I thought that would be great. Life's not that busy around then. Whoops. I decided to get a cold earlier on this week. And then on Monday, my mother-in-law, who is recovering well, found out that she was going to have an operation as part of her recovery from cancer. Me and my wife don't know nothing but blessing in life. We've seen hard times. We've seen um, easy times. We've seen wonderful times. We know what it is to grieve. We know what it is to... To, um, for things to go wrong the bottom line is if one of our children gets sick right now I'm putting the microphone and going home I'll have to quickly play the whole tone scale to snap us out of this moment run out the door and that'll be it it's real is what I'm saying it's actually a reality I truly, truly, truly believe this I am convinced that Jesus is king there are many people here that are so it leaves a, leaves a question, doesn't it? Or it leaves us in a moment. We've seen various little aspects of this, this king that we call Jesus. Something that you do with a king is you can have an audience with a king. And maybe in the next few minutes when there will be a a time to respond to this, a time to reflect on what I've said. Maybe you need to have an audience with this king. Maybe you need to take some time to see what he has to say to you. It might not be an audible voice that you hear. It might be a sense of conviction in your heart it might be something that confuses you a little bit and you need to talk to someone else about it but in this moment this evening why don't you just have the bottle I dare you I double dare you to just take it seriously what if this is the king of kings what if this is the lord of lords What if I am being called to take that step of faith? I've waffled a lot this evening and spoken to you 
about some things, but there is someone who expressed this an awful lot better than me. So to conclude, um, we're just going to listen to the audio from a very well-known video. Take the time to reflect on your king. Amen. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. Yeah.